Hello and welcome to the AdNug podcast, the podcast of the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is a recording from our February 2018 meeting, Off-Grid Peak Power Over Ethernet Systems. In this talk, Ewan Parsons talks about the new 60 watt power over Ethernet standard and how you can save up to 30% on power using demand response programs. And now, over to the presentation. Yeah. So, uh, what I'm interested, I mentioned to Peter that uh, really things are changing and that um, I'm a bit passionate about a couple of subjects you will have come out as I sort of talk. But one of the things I've been uh, passionate about for quite some time is <coughs> why are we using the infrastructure better, uh, you know, well, I was just talking Cat5 infrastructure, but also uh, lots of other infrastructure that we don't utilise properly. Um, and uh, But the cabling systems in, in the homes, uh, we were part uh, of the Mawson Lakes uh, rollout of uh, Cat5 in everybody's home. And actually, really bypassed uh, sort of that now because um, you really don't need Cat5 to do the sorts of uh, tasks in the home. You can go wireless. But in those days it was all we had to have Cat5 in every point. But certainly in buildings are like that. And we're only using sort of uh, four of those eight wires. And so there's this hidden infrastructure that's there that could be utilised. Now, my my efforts at the moment are in renewable energy. I'm into um, microgrids, and this is all part of a microgrid. It's um, part of this thing that Housing SA are doing with the uh, uh, virtual power plants that they can sort of do um, with 50,000 homes. So. I will wander off into that, but you know what, what I'm looking at here, and I've, I've just um, semi-moved back to Adelaide from Queensland. So I left Adelaide because there was um, there was a company here called South Australian Power Networks that weren't doing very much to help us. So, um, you know, the, the, in Queensland, the distributors were owned by the government instead of privatised. So they were doing some more things. So my, my background, by the way, is, is uh, process automation. So I was a process engineer for Bridgestone Tires, but then they shut that down. And then I was um, into the gas company and the, they built the SCADA system for the gas company. Then the, the refinery and a few other places, and then eventually ended up in uh, company and Peter and I worked on home automation systems together. So my background's in SCADA, and I'm probably going back to that uh, when these virtual power plants get going. Um, and I might sort of uh, cover that later, but I'll sort of come back to this power over Ethernet capabilities where now you can do 60 watts to each Cat5 point and that's now in the standard. Now, 60 watts is enough to power your monitor. You, this sort of computer only takes about 40 watts to run the notebook. And so there's a lot of things that you can power, uh, certainly lighting, fans. You, you'll notice down there there's a little air conditioner that you can run. That only runs on 12 watts. Uh, so you can have that beside you. It's a little of Avenue air conditioning. It's bloody expensive though, it's 350 bucks, so why would you buy one like that? But it, it's got the, you know, it's like an evaporative cooler, um, but instead of those wet pads that they've got in an evaporative cooler, this is a nanoparticle thing uh, that they've got in there to hold the water, so uh, I haven't ever taken one apart, but yeah, you can go and get them at Kogan or a few other places. So. So with, with this sort of capability, um, you know, I, I've, I'm now working at number one King William Street and that's got 20 kilowatts of solar at the top. It's got a, a, a utility duct that goes right down through the building and every building's got their Cat5 cables going out. 
and um, really with this technology, we could, you know, if there's a blackout, we could keep all our data services going, um, all our Wi-Fi points, uh, uh, we, we, we can keep going with, uh, with this. And so um, we're looking at, you know, originally it was like your UPS, and uh, we're all familiar with UPSs, but, um, you know, why aren't they done with renewable power and, and why aren't we uh, using uh, these more? Um, and because their battery storage, and I've been working with Emerson that do uh, a lot of the UPS systems, and they're finally starting to realise that they can power these things with solar panels and you don't have to use the power from the grid. So it is part of the transition to 100% renewables. Um, and <coughs> the area that I work in is, is called demand management. Um, and the Australian Energy Regulators just put a billion dollars on the table uh, for demand management. Uh, so what, what the regulator in this um, um, uh, National um, Energy Board, which is made up of women mainly, because uh, the uh, head of the uh, Australian energy market is uh, is a woman, the one uh, who's coming from New York to run the Australian energy market operator, uh, um, uh, Audrey Zimmerman. She's she's doing this, and she's got all this money uh, allocated. Um, and so <coughs> they're, what they're using this money for is that they're saying to the distributors that rather than put more poles and wires out there and more transformers, it, it is cheaper to get people to turn off and that uh, yeah, people can uh, turn down their loads. So if you have a building with uh, power over Ethernet, you can be... Um, basically cut the whole building off um, and, and survive. Now, when we're talking about this, people get a bit paranoid that, you know, what's going to happen. But really, the issues of the blackouts uh, are not... Um, uh, we're, we're unlikely to have another system black, as it's called, um, we had before those problems will be fixed. I don't think you'll ever see another one in your lifetime. That's my opinion. Other people have other opinions. Uh, and then people are putting all these generators in and all this, uh, like the mobile phone towers now, have to get be not just four hours, they have to be 24 hours back up. So they've got to have you know, six times the amount of batteries in there for all the telcos they're not actually going to get any more money for it. But they have to put six times the amount of batteries in. And, and, and they're never going to be used because there won't be any blackouts. <laughs> so uh, that's the statement that I can't see how there will be uh, because we've got such resilient grids. And one of the reasons why there won't be a blackout is because this new Tesla battery that's there. Uh, are people sort of familiar with what, how the battery works? So, uh, this is an example. This is one of the Adelaide Uni professors showed us this trick. The tricks, um, probably too much dirt and xenophons, but you know, if I try and balance that on my hand, I can just do it. But um, if that was longer, it would be easier to do. And this length of this bar is really the inertia in the system. So <coughs> when, when you have faster reacting systems, faster than my hand, I can make this shorter and keep, keep that stable. And that's really what the Tesla battery is doing. So the Tesla battery can go from 0 to 100 uh, megawatts in 14 milliseconds. Now, nothing's ever had that sort of impact. In fact, before 
the, te the Tesla battery when it was commissioned, it would save the power outage in, in Victoria. Uh, so he can react and put that much power on the grid to correct the AC waveform, 50 hertz. If there's a little dip here, it can stuff that in, 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 in milliseconds. And <coughs> the power industry just doesn't know how to cope with that. So it turns out that, you know, the amount of batteries we need and the amount of inertia we need is a fraction of what the, the power engineers thought we need. So we don't need that much batteries uh, coming up. But it's really interesting to see how, you know, when we do these virtual power plants, we've got the biggest battery, now we've got the biggest virtual power plant, um, and there's 50,000 homes. If you're going to do this, they all have to work together within milliseconds. So we need good communications and, and uh, you know, fibre and, and fibre to uh, and, and Cat5 and, and powering all these devices uh, is going to be more relevant. Um, so this, they started playing around with renewable power over Ethernet and uh, this is the 24 volts, stick a few batteries in and then you can sort of power your devices and you can have your communications at the same time. So, you know, you can keep all, you know, even down to these homes, you'll be able to keep your televisions going and things like that. They're all now low-power devices as well. So you sort of put these together. There's two sort of um, types of uh, um, power over Ethernet. One is that, you know, you whack the power into here and then it goes out through all the ports um, and uh, that's what they call power sourcing. Uh, the other one is what they call uh, mid-span injection. So uh, maybe this next slide is better to sort of mid-span. So here's your, uh, here's your Ethernet here and it's, you go in and then out uh, to your equipment and then you bring your power in here. Um, I'll go back if that's right. Um, probably can't see this, but I meant to sort of <laughs> show this, but uh, what, what it is is that uh, four and five, do, do, do people know why we use with Ethernet one, two, three, and six? Has anybody come across I presume you're familiar that that's how it's wired up uh, on those eight wires. <coughs> the thing is that four and five was in the centre and they're the telephone pair. And, you know, they, originally it was going, the others, uh, uh, seven and eight were going to be used for video, but that never happened. So, so we've got four and five available and seven and eight. So what you do is you put uh, the the you put the positives down four and five together, and um, and the ground is on seven and eight, and uh, you can put up to fifty volts down here because that's like an old telephone voltage, and um, it turns out that you can run. Uh, about 600 milliamps on each wire, so that becomes 1.2 amps multiplied by 50 is 60 watts that you can pull out of there. So, you know, not everything will take 50 watts, but the beauty about the, the wiring is that there's a, it goes, comes from a hub to the, to the point, and so every point goes back to a central place, and so you can have a, a sort of fairly large supply there and supply a number of points. So do you have to configure each one so you don't blow something up? Uh, yes, look, in, in the standard, um, and I'll go into the standards a bit later and you can read it, they've got the little chips and make sure you don't know, short out and that's got so much uh, uh, protection in, in, the, in the chips supplied so they're there inside uh, these <coughs> And that's um, that's all silicon stuff. Still going. Um, 
So these are the standards that uh, the uh, 802.3AF was the first one, and that came out of 15 watts, and uh, then they went up to 25 watts for type 2, and uh, then they made a sort of version for cars, uh, which is not really uh, uh, Ethernet. But now we're into, into this one here, uh, and I don't know the difference between 55 and, and 60. So, uh, Cisco says 60, this is uh, 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 IEC say 55, but I'm not quite sure. But, uh, you know, they say up to 600 milliamps, well, 600 milliamps at 50 volts for two wires, that's 60 watts, so I call it 60 watts. But they're going up to 100 watts. So, um, I presume you use thicker wires, so. But this is standard Cat5 stuff. Um, so it, it really does open the door to these all these applications that we can do with it. That can go behind some of this. Do you so have to run a separate cable for each? Say so you're going to keep a, a whole lot of PCs up. Do you need to run a separate cable for each PC? Well, each PC would be powered by one cat five point, so they're separate cables back to the central point. Okay. So it's all start wired. Uh, yeah, one computer per cat five point. You don't daisy chain. Presumably you have um, um, special devices, I mean, could you use an existing... Uh, yes, you can, and uh, just I'll go back there, it's, it's probably worthwhile explaining. Oh, this, this, this one here is, um, I think, 16 bucks or something, and you, you put the power in here, and then it puts it out onto each one of these, and then... The cable goes in there and out there. That's all right. Here, here's a Cat5 socket, and uh, you know it goes off to uh, another um, RJ45 plug and, and a, a plug where you can put your, your, your plug pack in. So that's a round plug, and you put that in. Now at the other end, you can do the opposite and spin it off. So you can stick that into the back of your router, or you can buy a router or a switch that's already got PoE in it, and then you don't have to spit it off. So for a, an adapter under $20, you can power existing devices? Yeah. Existing Ethernet connected devices? Yeah. The beauty about it is that you don't have to, uh, you know, the, the power switch sometimes is located in you look at you know, all the different things like the sensors and stuff like that, it's hard to get uh, you know, 240 volts to. So it's easy to just run a Cat5 and power out that way. Do those low-end converters typically have suitable current voltage overload protection? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it's not too much of a problem. I mean, if, if, if you draw too much power from it, It'll just pull it down, and you know the light will light up, saying can't supply the power. So it's got overload protection, and short circuit protection, and stuff like that. So yeah, then reverse polarity protection, which everybody does anything. So, um, but that's a. I can only remember vaguely from my cable clipping days. You can make cross cable by twisting or yes. switching some cable. Is, is there any danger from that? using the wrong kind of cable crossover. No, no, well that's crossovers and also you can put the, uh, you can split off the cables yourself and uh, rather than have one of these things, you know, you can just run. So you could run your Cat5 and just do one, one, two, three and six on that one and then you can do sort of um, a four, five, uh, seven and eight on this one, you know, just by, and you, you do your own thing there. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a standard that uh, is being coming more and more as uh, devices come up. Uh, most of the sort of um, Wi-Fi um, point access points are uh, 
power over Ethernet now and stick them up in the ceiling and just show you the cable in there. Yeah, I've actually got one at home that's using that sort of in line. If I want to put a second one into the middle, do I want to have two plug packs? It'd be kind of nice to have one that's probably both. Yes, yes, you can. Well, I'm, I'm more you know, sort of interested in um, uh, in putting it all together so that you have a whole building sort of and, and you're, um, you're blackout proof. And uh, the idea of this uh, demand management is that the prices, um, apart from the blackouts, we have what's called price events. So the price of electricity goes from 10 cents, or you know, we, we talk in terms of dollars per megawatt hour. So if I say $100 per megawatt hour, the average price in South Australia is $80 a megawatt hour. That means eight cents a kilowatt hour. But then, you know, then you've got to add your network charges. So, but generally, uh, eight cents a kilowatt hour. But you know, that that, that price can go up to fourteen to fourteen and a half thousand a megawatt hour, which is fourteen and a half dollars a kilowatt hour. And if you're a supplier of electricity, you can't um, uh, sustain that. I could go into this a lot more if people were interested, but uh, you know what happened when the blackout happened because in, in Victoria they, the person that had the power station down here uh, is the same person that owned, uh, uh, owned Hazelwood and they were making $4,500 at Hazelwood so they didn't want to put this one on and so we went into blackout. So there's a lot of game gaming in this market, but there's another game in town, and the, the, so that's that's one game, which is uh, demand management of trying to t take that off. And they're only sort of those price spikes only last for about five minutes, or you know, maximum half an hour, and then it might come back or something. But it really isn't a long time. So, but. Um, so we, we use this sort of thing for managing price uh, uh, events. But there's the new events coming up, which are called uh, renewable power events or um, solar excess events. I call them RECs, um, renewable energy excess. Um, I might just skip to this and come back. This is, this is the um, test the battery that's out there. Um, and, uh, you can go to their website, by the way, Hornsdale Park Power Reserve, and this is uh, live. This is a widget that's live all the time. And um, you can see when the batteries get charged and when, when the battery gets discharged. So in the, uh, this, is, uh, this is one day here, so you can see that they're being charged and discharged all the time. Um, so it's 100 megawatts, but you'll see that they're only allowed to play with 30 megawatts because the government wants them to reserve 70 megawatts in case of blackouts. So, but they they play this market and they they buy their power when it goes negative. So um, we're in a unique situation where we have the opposite of this high price. We have these low prices and. Uh, uh, what happens in, is uh, more than anywhere else in the world, our prices go negative to minus a thousand dollars a megawatt hour. Uh, so, um, yes, sometimes uh, six hundred. Oh, yeah, this is today. This automatically adjusts, but <coughs> this will go up and down. This scale will go up and down all the time because um, it's auto scaling. But uh, you know they'll buy their power at minus a thousand, and they'll sell it, so they get paid for charging and discharging the batteries. It's already sort of paid for itself now. But you see that they don't just charge it once a day; they do it all the time. But th that's what the market is doing these days, and so people want to uh, uh, take. Um, uh, 
they, they want to sort of take advantage of this and we shouldn't need any more transformers and poles and wires out there anymore, you know, to start using this type of technology. Um, so I'm really getting into sort of where that power over Ethernet is just one of the uh, technologies that go into all these microgrids, which Peter uh, and I are getting into these microgrids in the background. So they're trying to uh, get the balance of, of that. <coughs> so, uh, you know, they are sort of complicated things, I suppose, but there's some principles behind it, and um, it, it can be made robust. So there's a uh, sort of a, a road map of how this is all coming through and um, you know we've got uh, there's a lot of communications in there uh, a lot of uh, software in the cloud um, so the cloud is going to be controlling these microgrids and delivering power so I might, I might come back together if there's some questions but I'm doing a microgrid in in, uh, in Brisbane uh, but I'll sort of um, I'll come back to I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But this is like with with the solar. Um, what you can do now is you can control uh, your power and, uh, and power quality. So we can do the same things in a microgrid as the big grid can do. And so the microgrid has a huge advantage because you don't pay any network charges, which is more than half your bill. So as soon as you go... Uh, and so CSIRO found that they can use microgrids and save 60% of the energy costs. Yeah. Okay. So I'll show you some of that. But what I wanted to show you is that <coughs> these standards are evolving and, and they're coming through. This is what's coming into the new solar inverters is fault ride-through. If they had fault ride-through and they didn't have it in the wind farms, we wouldn't have the blackout. So this is a, it's very hard to read here, but here you can, uh, you know, if you, if you, this is more or less what he's saying is, um, oh, uh, if, if, for instance, the voltage or um, goes up over a certain limit, then for 20 seconds it'll take it, uh, but if it goes really bad, you only got one of a second to trip off and things like that. So it, it takes out variations in the system. So that's now built into these solar inverters uh, and microgrids. So they become fault tolerant and, and more robust than, than the grid themselves. And then there's this thing here. Has anybody heard of uh, power factor? Or um, let's say uh, you can correct power factor through the solar inverters as well, and it's all done through communications and high-speed communications. So these are the things that are now uh, available to build your uh, sort of build your microbits. Did anybody see this in the paper today? Was no? it produced yesterday? Was it yesterday? Is it today? Yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. This is um, running. This is going to be running between Glenelg um, and, and, the, and the whole far shore um, and uh, along the, the beach front there. Mm -hmm. It's an autonomous vehicle. Going to Tomsley Park to uh, work on stabilising grids. So, if, for instance, you had one of these vehicles uh, in a housing trust complex and you know, down to the station and back again, or, or in my complex, where, uh, this one here, um, I'll stay away from that cord. Um, <laughs> this is a project I'm working on where uh, this, this is where the transformer is and these are 200 homes oh, actually there's 100 duplex homes so there's two homes in each one of these and each one of those has got 2 kilowatts of solar so that's 400 kilowatts of solar across that 
uh, aged care village. And, um, you know, we're not allowed to uh, export that to the grid. So we've got a monitor here. And what we have to do is we, we it, it, you know, we could export or we could turn on electric vehicle charging stations and charge things or we can do things with the spare power. But this generates a lot of spare power in the suburb and it will be typically for most suburbs. When you've got a lot of solar, you'll have excess solar and you'll have cheap, free power. So we can, we can charge these electric vehicles and run them down to the station automatically and back again. And we can, you know, manage the grid because if these are two-way, they can take power in and, and dump power out. So um, that's the sort of microgrid things that we're looking at doing. Um, and, and we have to, uh, when we're balancing the grid, we have to make sure that no, no particular home gets cut off more than any other home. So you've got a, there's a bit of software there, not much. Um, but this is, um, this is a product that's developed in, uh, in Adelaide. Has anybody heard of Sage Automation at all? Sage Automation got into IT, ITS, Telecom Transport Systems, and they came up with this bus stop for Ollie, uh, the, the bus. So that's going down to Glenelg as well. Um, and there, there'll be one at, uh, at the end where the tram stop is, and then one at Holfar Shores. And uh, uh, what we're looking at doing is having batteries in there, and you can and exchange power as well. So this is what they call an Ollie stop. This, uh, this was launched in uh, uh, Las Vegas this year in the CES show, and uh, now it's, uh, so it's an Adelaide invention. Oh. Yeah, I like this slide because that's what actually happened. <laughs> that's what triggered off a lot of this stuff, is uh, what we call vehicle to grid. And then there's a lot of controversy about that, but you know that 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 uh, that Mitsubishi was. Oh, I'll go down this one. That oh shit, we don't know what happened there. Um, but there's a little power box you can run from your car, and this is coming uh, to us. But the main thing is uh, is um, Nissan. Nissan are big time into this. So they're doing a thousand cars, so they're doing microgrids with cars, and yeah, your, your car can power your home for a week. Well, Japanese home, yeah, stay at home half a week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the new Nissan Leaf is is almost here. Another couple of months, it'll be here, and um, yeah, we'll have this capability. So two-way. They're actually finding out that um, there's been a lot of objections to two-way and Tesla are one of the people that objected to it but in actual fact they're going to do it anyhow because all the other manufacturers are now on board. Turns out that the way, are people interested in electric cars by the way or are boring people? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the, the average, the few facts that you probably need to know about. First of all the average state of charge of an electric vehicle is over 90%. So, you know, that's the, so that you, you're driving around on a battery that's pretty well full. battery doesn't weigh any more, by the way, so whether it's full or anything. <laughs> uh, well, it probably does in the actual <laughs> theory, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to go there in the particle physics. Um, anyway, the, the, uh, the average trip um, is only 14 and a half kilometres. And the range that these things are coming out at is about 500 kilometres. So you can see that you're going to be driving around with this. The average person, when they come home, will plug their car in to, and leave it plugged in. The, the, the driver's manual might say, oh, I'll just charge it every five days to run the battery down to keep it healthy. Um, but in actual fact, they don't do that. 
so what they're finding out that this vehicle degraded by discharging it, and and you typically what's going to happen here is that you're you're going to take your car to work. You know, you're going to get privileges because you've got an electric car and you plug it into the building. All the sort of solar during the day will be charging it. They might use it as a sort of buffer, but you'll be going home. You know, ninety percent, ninety-five percent. Oh, this is the. Uh, that is not acceptable. Tables and entrance. Oh, sorry. That's the it's thing you're you would drive home, and you'll. Um, you'll plug in to somewhere, maybe home to power your home over the peak time, which is like when the sun goes down, the prices go up and it's that peak time getting out of there. But you might go to the gym, you might go to the shopping centre and plug in, because you'll, you'll have the plug-in parts right at the front where the disabled are, and, and you'll get better parking. Or, but you'll have to plug in. And that can help balance the shopping centre, and you can get, uh, you know, twenty, ten, or twenty dollars off your uh, supermarket bill by selling your power. And that's already been done. There's a, there's a thousand sort of. I know what it's here. Isn't there a psychological issue here though that most people are going to be reluctant to discharge the power in their car because they don't want to run the risk of. Uh, having it too low to go on an unplanned trip that might uh, not have enough battery to take them. That's the correct. And that's all range anxiety. Uh, we've had range anxiety with horses, we've had range anxiety with petrol. Um, yes, certainly, but you, you know, the, the computers in the car, they you tell them they've got visible homes in them or something like that, and you talk to it, and, and you say, it'll ask you when do you want to use the car and uh, what, you know, how much do you want me to leave as reserve for the capacity as well. That is covered. And, and uh, by the way, um, I haven't got the slide here, but I should have it somewhere else. This and uh, doing trials on this with 1,000 cars in the UK, the number of the other companies are doing it. The UK government put £30 million on the table for 20 trials that are going on there and so they're embracing it and they're finding that <coughs> vehicle to grid stuff actually extends the life of your battery so if you if you stay within certain ranges the da danger of batteries is the top 10% and the bottom 10% when you stay in between those two <coughs> you don't generate too much heat or damage so is there any imminent advances in battery technology that you can makes the life of the battery longer because at the moment four or five years is probably what you can expect in a Prius, for instance. Uh, like yeah, I, I was with a, ta a Prius taxi driver the other day. He had done 400,000 and hadn't changed his yeah, over 10 years. That was 10 years, okay. Now, I've, I've heard that these, um, these cars need, you need to factor in battery replacement every five years or something. They say 10 years. 10 years, is it? The warranty in 10 years. But even so, battery technology, I feel, is lagging. Uh, the battery technology is accelerating at a rapid pace, and the, the prices are coming down at a rapid pace. The life is going up at a rapid pace. And then as you need it Oh, yes, but uh, I'm working on these lead crystal batteries. They go for 17 years, and uh, you know, they're, like a, they're like a standard battery. They're cheaper than lithium. And uh, uh, we've got, uh, uh, I think about 12,000 cycles, depending on how much you take it down. And you can take it down to 100% as well. So there's, there's a lot of batteries out there. And, and on top of that, lithium batteries, uh, you know, the, the more expensive sort of lithium batteries, about $1,000 a kilowatt hour, they come down to about $500 a kilowatt hour. Lead acid batteries go down to $200 a kilowatt hour. Now, 
We've got supercapacitors coming in at $1,000 now, uh, $1,000 a kilowatt hour. Now, a supercapacitor, you know, never wears out. It's not a chemical process. And it's a physical process. And you can, you know, you can charge it and discharge it a million times. You could blow them up, I suppose, but that's but, and, and you can do it fast. Like, you can do masses of power in there and out there. So do you see that coming into mobile phone batteries, for instance? Yeah. There's a problem with motor phone batteries at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen them, but they certainly have. Uh, uh, you know, now in in the hybrid systems in their homes, uh, so they guarantee sort of more or less a lifetime. So some of those uh, battery technologies are coming to the fore, but there's also lots of other storage as well. So there's the thermal storage and things. With that, you suddenly technology, how long does it take to discharge? Uh, fully discharge? That's an interesting one because it depends on how fast you charge it and how big your charger is. So we, we're in a uh, lucky country in some ways because uh, this company in Brisbane called Tritium, they started developing these fast charging stations, uh, charging stations, yeah. And, and now uh, they're selling them in 22 countries and now doing it for America with the, um, you know, their, their major places over there. So they, they've now, that, that was a 50 kilowatt hour charge. Now if you've got a 50, a 50 kilowatt hour battery, that'll take you an hour. But they're now making a 500 kilowatt hour, uh, 500 kilowatt charger. So that would only be, you know, a tenth of that uh, if you can fit it through the wire. Uh, you know, we've got big wires, these DC chargers. And, and th that bus stop I was telling you about, th that's what's happening is that... Um, is that... Oh, sorry. Um, what they're doing is they're, they're charging solar with batteries here and then the bus pulls up and it goes battery to battery so at, at very high rates. I don't know whether you know much about charging, but um, the fastest way to get a, a battery charged is pulsing DC into it at very high rates. You know, because it, you, know, you only have sort of microseconds oh, difference between one pulse and the next. But and uh, so Tesla now got a truck. Have you, has anybody heard of yeah. that? Heard of that? <coughs> so they've produced their first truck and they've got 500 orders for it. You know, so, uh, and uh, this truck, uh, uh, you know, they've developed a, a megawatt charger for it. So you can go to a bus stop and within 30 minutes you can get another uh, 250 kilometres on the truck. That truck has got enough power in it to power 3,200 homes. So that, that's enough to power a whole town. So these things are coming. In the context of having a car park at the at the mall and staying there for two hours, I suppose it doesn't hurt. No? It's charging for one hour. It's charging that. Oh well, you wouldn't uh, normally if you're you're either charging a car or you're discharging it, it's an event if you like I'm going to sell my car to get this uh, free gym or massage or something like that um, or you're going to go there and you've got some loyalty points and you're going to get your car charged so that you can get home and uh, um, run your party at home or something like that there's a lot of sort of social interaction stuff to go but technically, it's there. If I can refocus, the main idea I had when I suggested this talk tonight was the, um, the ability to, in a blackout, to keep your PCs and that running. So, mm -hmm. um, how difficult is it to do an installation, uh, like David, for instance? How many PCs you got on your on your floor? Um, about ten. Okay, 
So, something like that, how, how difficult would it be to set up something for David? Um, look, um, I'll sort of use that question and go where I was going, which yeah. is, uh, okay. uh, you know, one of the things with the servers is uh, now, I don't know whether you saw it today, but now Iceland, uh, the uh, biggest uh, drain is the servers uh, for Bitcoins. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin mining has taken over <laughs> the whole of the So they're now going to have to charge for it or something like that. Uh, yeah, the servers are getting smaller. And, and they're getting, and they go, they sort of, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, we can talk about the green IT stuff, but I suppose you already know about all that sort of stuff, how these servers shut down and we come on. So you can run servers off very low power, but also, you know, the terminal, the computers and the desk are getting lower power. Sure, if you have an old tower, you won't sort of run off from here. So it really depends mainly on, on the types of uh, uh, devices you've got on the end. Um, mainly David, some of David's machines are thrown away and uh, replaced with other ones. I don't know. Well, certainly, I mean, where I work, most of the people have got laptops. So they, they have problems with these. Oh, you've got batteries. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, the laptops, they went up to. 19 volts or something. It's just a little regulator that goes in. Mentioned the voltage, just now it's 50 volts, right? Yes, but you do. So it wouldn't run a computer which is 100? No, you just have an adapter from 50 volts to 19 volts, you know, a regulator. That's okay for a laptop, but for, let's say, a computer, a tower. Yes, there are certain servers that won't do this, you know, if you've got fans and all that type of thing, you know, the big things, yes. And the same thing with the monitors, you know, you're not going to be doing uh, sort of placement screen with this stuff. Yeah, everything under 60 watts. At least it saves a headache if you have a laptop and the charger is gone, you can't use the cable anymore. Then you can use this as a replacement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're telling me you just plug it in with the yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least you're using more renewable power because it's coming from the solar panels. Mm -hmm. So people will take to all these renewable power. So I don't know whether there's anything else we want to cover. I didn't really... Uh, I, I guess I went into all of that stuff to show a bigger picture. Um, but really it's... Oh. Pizza, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. No, that was fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure no software. Oh, yeah, sorry, I was going to get part. to the software shit. <laughs> 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 Finally. <laughs> uh, the software bit is that all of this is going to go, uh, you know, you're trading with your power across everything, uh, even when you're in there, you're going to be trading uh, using the blockchain. So uh, all of these are Yeah, sure, Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies. There's a, there's a solar coin and there's a, there's a crypto gold. Uh, yeah, I, I'm working with some guys doing cryptocurrency, uh, crypto gold, they call it, and it's backed up by real gold. But the trouble is, it's proven reserves of gold, which are 300 metres down the ground. So if you, if you want to uh, get to a reserve, you have to have a shovel. <laughs> 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 and there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, 
But I don't know whether people uh, are that clear sort of get to, into too much details, but what I see blockchain is is a, it's a transaction between parties that automatically uh, executes when all the conditions are met. So if I say to you, I'll sell my power out of my car, if the price on the electricity got to $1,000, you can have my power and I'll walk home. challenge with Bitcoin, at least the transaction takes a couple of minutes. So with power, how long can you wait you know, to make that transaction happen? Well, to, it's to all, to that? as far as I understand, blockchain is all about uh, conditions, precedent, and, and as soon as the conditions are, are met, then it uh, goes through. Yeah, but depending on the technology, it takes some time to actually establish um, that that key is valid, that transaction is valid. Yeah. And with Bitcoin, the, the challenge is that the cost, in, at least in time, to do the transaction, is, it takes several minutes. Oh, okay. And that's, that's growing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The, mm -hmm. the transaction list, I mean, 10 years down the track, you can imagine how long is it going to take to, to find the key? Mm. I don't know. That's yeah. just, Bitcoin has a pretty work. Yes. That's what takes the time, but yeah. blockchain doesn't. Yeah, yeah, technology doesn't yeah, require that. Depends on the so technology. You have a blockchain technology that is faster. Yeah, I think blockchain, as far as I know, is I think that what you're saying is the, the crypto keys. Um, it's like a finite reserve. The, the every crypto key has to reserve. It has to refer to every other crypto key that's being made. And so the more coins the one that takes.